Exact Nature's all-natural CBD-based products are specially formulated to help you with addictive cravings, depression, anxiety, or even improving sleep. Founded by a father and son in recovery, they truly understand the needs of the sober community. Learn more at exactnature.com and as a listener of the Sobriety Diaries, use the code TSD20 to receive 20% off. Exactnature.com. Welcome to the Sobriety Diaries, friends. My name is Nate. I am a grateful recovering alcoholic six years from my last drink. My sobriety is such a huge part of who I am. I decided that I needed to help others find their voice and share their journey too. The Sobriety Diaries is a video podcast where we share powerful stories of recovery told by those who live them. Head on over to thesobrietydiaries.com where you can join our insiders list for exclusive content, early release episodes, and more. Also, please share this podcast with just one person in your life who may still be struggling. You just never know what they may need to hear today. Recovery is possible. Happy Sober Day, friends. Thank you so much for joining me on the Sobriety Diaries and spending part of your day with me. I wanted to try something a little different today and veer off from the usual guest sharing their story of addiction and recovery and share a portion of my own story. As most of you know, I went to an inpatient treatment facility and spent two weeks in detox and then moved over to uh, complete the additional four weeks in the inpatient treatment side of the facility. So I was there for six weeks total. It was an experience that saved my life. I am so grateful for that program and the counselors and the people that I met there. It is a state-run facility, and there are no frills. Trust me, I was uninsured at the time, and Really, it was the only place that I could find a bed and get into. So I was receiving treatment with individuals who were coming directly from state corrections, felons, IV drug users, folks who on the outside may not look the same as me or folks that I definitely didn't think that I had much in common with prior to sharing this experience with them. And I quickly realized that we, in fact, were the same, are the same. And these are individuals that I relate to the most, really, in my life and share connections with and still keep in touch with some of them even today. So I kept very extensive journals and notes while I was there, um, both required as part of the treatment, but also as part of my meditation and part of my own self-discovery and and working on myself. So I wanted to share some of those with you 
today on the podcast and dive into some of the work that I completed while impatient. So let's open the diary on my rehab journals. So let's jump right in. The treatment center I was at was a 12-step based program. So of course, we started with step one, and I kept a journal on my powerlessness over alcohol and how it has been affecting my life. So this was on October 16th, 2015, six days into my sobriety. And I wrote about powerlessness. I have been drinking alcohol for 17 years. The end of high school and throughout college, beer was my drink of choice. For many years, it was only on the weekends, but once I graduated, it turned into a daily habit. Relaxing after work, I started drinking wine about five years ago. I started drinking earlier in the day, and I thought it was a more appropriate, quote, daytime drink. I was functioning in my addiction until about three years ago. This is when alcohol started to affect things negatively. In my addiction, I have lied uncountable times to my family and the ones I love the most. I stole money and alcohol from my friends and family, mostly without being questioned. When I was, I would blame someone else. I have been involved in numerous sexual situations, oftentimes dangerous ones, while drunk. Having sex with people I met online, drinking liquor from my brother-in-law's cabinet and filling it with water, calling the cops because I thought my car was stolen when really, I just blacked out and forgot where I parked it. Went to work drunk and when my boss started asking questions, I walked out and quit. A promising job and career path that I had for over eight years. Lost my keys and phone so many times, and on one particular occasion, I slept on the porch of my condo and woke up with no recollection of what had happened. Driven drunk numerous times, so many times, I can't even count, sometimes with friends and family in the car. Talk shit to people in bars while drunk, drank while on blood thinners and other medications after having an alcohol-related stroke, gotten in drunken arguments with my friends, family, and those closest to me, trying to hide my drinking, drinking alone, driving drunk, and letting alcohol affect my work. I always made sure I had enough alcohol for the morning, until after 7 a.m. when they started selling and the liquor stores would open up. Called my sister a bitch, got in a fight with my brother-in-law in the parking lot of a bar, and screamed that he was a piece of shit. Told my mom not to worry when she brought my drinking up that it was none of her business, which crushed her. The sheer amount of lying I have done to immediate family is remarkable. This has left distrust and emotional scars. I have tried a medical detox, which was four days at Riverside Hospital in August, so almost one year prior. Tried not to keep alcohol in the house at all, 
tried to only drink on weekends, which both were unsuccessful. I am completely powerless over alcohol. I have literally been planning my life around booze for the last three years. Being powerless over my addiction means to me that it is in control. It is my number one priority. I make decisions with alcohol and getting drunk as the first thought. If I am invited somewhere with no alcohol, I don't go. Or drink a lot before, stay for a short time, and leave to drink more. In my head, I know I am self-sabotaging and that I need help to learn to live a sober life. These are just some of the examples that prove that I am powerless over alcohol. On to unmanageability. Unmanageability to me means that anything has become out of control and beyond my power. For me, my addiction. Broken trust with family and friends over lying. Distant relationship with my dad. Distant friendships because alcohol was my number one priority. Isolating myself. Stopped doing sober activities that I loved, like biking, kayaking, going to the dog park. My mom started traveling to Columbus every other weekend to make sure I was okay, getting groceries, going to work, etc. I haven't been out with friends in probably six months. I will just invite people to my place so I can continue to drink at home or go over to my sister's house for get-togethers, not focused on finding a significant other. Lost one job for drinking at work and started to head down the same road with new job. Work performance suffered and I would often miss deadlines. It took me five years to earn a bachelor's degree as a full-time student in a four-year program. I got a DUI in 2008, frequently skipped paying bills to buy booze, drained one savings account to buy alcohol, racked up credit card debt to buy alcohol. Grades steadily dropped through my five years at college, burned a bridge with a business contact and friend after boozing on the job. After years of not taking care of my body, not taking medication for blood pressure and drinking heavily, I suffered a stroke on New Year's Day 2015 at the age of 32. I'm still not back to 100%, but I continued to drink after recovery and while on blood thinners. I was very lucky, but never expressed gratitude. And then I go on to sort of sum things up and set some goals for myself. So I go on to say some of the attitudes and behaviors I need to change in sobriety are dishonesty, lying, self-pity, work on my self-esteem, being overly shy, projecting, denying, and rationalizing my behavior. These have caused a great deal of chaos and pain in my life and bring about negativity. I want to be a positive, grateful, and humble person and to be helpful moving forward. I am determined to live a clean, meaningful life first and foremost. I am here to work on myself and learn the tools and coping skills to do so. This will allow me to repair the relationships I have ruined and prove to the ones I love that I can live a happy, sober life. 17 years was plenty of time with that lifestyle, and I am ready for a spiritual and happy life. So this was week one of treatment late in 2015. Wow. 
that brings back like I can feel like I'm there. It brings me back to that place. Wow. That's powerful. I never I never want to forget those feelings. Reminds me how far I've come. We also did this exercise called a postcard to life. So this is writing to your future self, writing to your life in a happy state, in a joyous state, a goal to where you wanted to be after treatment. So postcard to life. And it was supposed to be written in a postcard style um, as if you were on vacation. So I started mine with, hey, higher power, things are going great here on Island DCH, which is an abbreviation for the treatment center. I am meeting a lot of new people and they are all here because we need to help each other get off of this island. I got an extended vacation to clear my mind and start the healing process. And for that, I am grateful. I have never felt gratitude and determination like this in my life, and it feels great. I am grateful the people here share their stories with honesty. It gives me strength every day. Higher power, can you please pick me up at the airport on Monday, 11-23-15, which was the day I was getting released, and I asked for guidance and drive me off into the rest of my life. I need your guidance and strength moving forward. I am grateful I have found your guidance and will keep you close. Thank you, higher power. Talk to you soon. Love, Nate. Wow. I forgot about this. So powerful. I also wanted to share some cards that I received while in treatment. These truly, truly kept me going. And the fact that... I talk so much about hurting my family and loved ones, and that is truly the way that I felt. And I, you know, wasn't sure at the time if I would be able to repair those relationships or if, you know, I still had these people's support. So, you know, when I received these cards, it it truly kept me going. And I was so grateful to have a little, a little piece of home while I was there. So, This card uh, says, sending you a little cheer. We all miss you so much. The boys wanted to send you some of their love. I think they are obsessed with you. I hope to see you soon, Nate. Stay strong and focus on you, no matter what. I love you and I am so proud of you. Talk soon. Love you times a dillion. Can't wait to see you soon, cousin. Thought this card was a little version of Dash. And it says, imagine with all your mind, believe with all your heart, achieve with all your might. So true. And it is kind of a little version of Dashy. Oh, this one says, I believe in you. You can do anything your little heart desires. I thought this was the perfect last card to send you. I am so proud of you. I know you will come out of this the old Nate, and I can't wait for that. I need you in tip-top shape for all of the help and details with the wedding. My cousin was getting married soon after uh, I was getting out. I don't trust anyone else. I can't wait to squeeze you again. I love you. You got this. Almost there, Nate. Just in time for Turkey Day. See you soon. Go be fabulous. 
That's so true. I was getting out like just a few days before Thanksgiving. So, you know, the holidays can be hard for definitely folks in addiction, not wanting to, you know, be around other people, but for those of us in recovery as well, you know, there's a lot of alcohol that can be surrounding the holidays. So a lot of our focus with our counselors while I was there was how to handle the holidays and getting a plan together to make sure that, you know, we felt strong enough to be around family and friends and alcohol and and sort of that celebratory atmosphere. Uh, so I really give them kudos for for helping me put a plan together. And of course, I, I stayed sober and tried to be as helpful as possible and, you know, just went and did the dishes if I could or went and, and took a nap if I could. So yeah, that was uh, super helpful coming out, you know, just a few days before Thanksgiving. And, you know, I also wanted to say that part of that plan was to continue my work with uh, 12-step meetings. And I got released that day around noon. My bestie Kelsey picked me up. You hear me talk about her a lot and, and getting me started on this journey. But, you know, she picked me up around lunchtime. I went home and took a nap and showered and was at a meeting by 5 p.m. So truly putting that plan together and and sticking with it. Um, I say a lot that I know 12-step is not for everyone and, and everyone finds their own path to recovery. And I truly believe that. So, you know, if the online community is your support system or, you know, if, if it's if recovery literature or family support, whatever it may be, put that plan together and stick to it. So before we left treatment, we were asked to do a few exercises, and one of them was to identify some characteristics or traits about ourselves that we like. And I wanted to share uh, some of those that I identified with you today. So some of the people I care for most are my mom, my dad, my sister, and Kelsey. Things that I am good at, listening, taking care of Dash, and being a good friend. Uh, Ways I would describe myself. Caring, funny, likable, a hard worker, shy, nosy, Tall, gay, pale. (laughs) Sometimes you just got to get down to the basics. (laughs) Sarcastic. I am a loner. I can be lazy. Smart. I am a good leader. Family-oriented. And handsome. Of course, handsome. (laughs) I feel sad when... I disappoint someone. I don't take care or ignore Dash. Or I see family members cry. I feel happiest when I am with family, when I'm with friends, when the weather is nice, or when Dash licks me. (laughs) I run away from confrontation or chaos. 
and I am most happy just to be myself. So I wanted to share these journals and thoughts and some of these exercises with you today. And I certainly realize that not everyone, you know, is afforded the opportunity for an inpatient treatment program. But I often get asked about, you know, what exercises we did in rehab or, you know, why I think for me, rehab was such a positive experience and, you know, why relapse isn't a part of my story when it is part um, of a lot of the stories I hear from fellow alcoholics. And I thought it would be helpful to share some of these exercises and, and some of my thoughts while in inpatient treatment. A lot of these thoughts or activities you, you can do yourself, you can do at home, you can share with a loved one who may still be struggling. Uh, you, even if you're in long-term recovery and you're you know, starting to feel a little squirrely, as they say in the rooms, or you know, just as part of a, a relapse prevention program, these, these are things that can be done ongoing or on a regular basis. So I hope that you found this episode helpful and it is definitely outside of, of the normal uh, things that you would hear here on the Sobriety Diaries, um, but I thought that it would be helpful to, to you and really just wanted to give another piece of myself and open up a bit more about my own experience. So thank you so much for listening today. We will return to our regular format next week with my friend Kristen. Hopefully you heard something that resonates with you. And if we help just one person, our job is done. Make sure you check out today's show notes for all of the information on today's episode and how to connect with our guest. You can find all things podcast related and subscribe to our show at the sobrietydiaries.com, youtube.com slash Nate Kelly, where we upload today's video podcast and on Instagram at the sobriety diaries pod. Check back every Wednesday for new episodes with new stories to tell. But until then, try your best not to drink and be good to yourself. Bye friends. <laughs>